Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. My name is Andrew Martin. I'm the assistant pastor for youth ministry here at Christ the King. And if you're visiting with us or if you're new, uh, it's my privilege to welcome you. And we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. And if you've been coming to Christ the King from the very beginning, again, welcome. It's my privilege to welcome you as, as God's people. We have been welcomed into his presence. And as his people, we also have the privilege of extending his welcome to others. Well, if you are joining us this morning for the first time, we are continuing our study in the book of James. So I would invite you to turn there in your Bibles now to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If you're using a Bible underneath the chair in front of you, that's found on page 1011. And as you turn there, I'll remind us that last week we explored what does it look like to live as an authentic Christian? And we found the, the foundation for that answer in chapter 1 of James, in verse 22, where it tells us to be doers of the word. In other words, authentic Christians live in obedience to God's will as it is expressed in the Bible. And then at the end of that passage, in verses 26 through 27, we have a brief outline of, of what that looks like. It includes things like watching the way that we speak, caring for people who are in need, keeping ourselves away from sin, and this morning, what we're going to look at is what does it look like to live as an authentic Christian, to live as people who obey the Bible in the way that we love people regardless of what they look like on the outside. Specifically, James is going to explain that we live as authentic Christians when we turn away from playing favorites with some people and we practice showing love for all people. And with these things in mind, follow along with me now as I read James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Well, Father, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have given us your word. 
And out of your kindness, you have called us to be obedient to it because your word is good and you are good. And so, Father, we ask that this morning you would help us to understand your word more deeply, that we would love your word more deeply, and that by the power of your spirit, you would enable us to be doers of the word and the way that we love people. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, as a kid, I grew up listening to music from the 1950s and 60s and early 70s. And there are a lot of songs from this era of golden oldies that are still very popular today. Songs like My Girl by The Temptations or Shout by The Isley Brothers or Yesterday by The Beatles. You, you know what I'm talking about. And there's quite a few of these songs that are still very popular today. And I was listening to the radio not too long ago and one of these hit songs came over the airwaves. It was a song called In the Summertime by Ray Dorsett and his band Mungo Jerry. You'd probably be familiar with it if you were to hear it. And it was released in 1970, and it made it to the top of numerous music charts. And one website I looked at recently said that it's still, to this day, one of the best-selling singles of all time. Now, if you were to listen to In the Summertime, you would hear a very specific philosophy of how to treat people based on how they look on the outside, particularly in this song when it comes to pursuing romance with people. And the philosophy goes something like this. There are two kinds of people you can pursue romance with, rich people and poor people. And the way you pursue romance depends on which category that person falls under. If the person is a rich person, well, you should wine and dine them. You should treat them well. And so far, that's right. You should treat people well. But then it goes on to say, however, if the person you're pursuing is a poor person, well, it really doesn't matter how you treat them. In fact, feel free to treat them however you want. As a matter of fact, you can even treat them like trash if you show desire. Now, I imagine that most of us in this room, whether you're a Christian or not, I imagine most of us would be appalled by a philosophy that says, hey, treat rich people well while treating poor people like trash. And you would be right to be appalled by this philosophy. But before we pat ourselves on the back for our righteous critique of this song, James actually takes this passage and he holds it up in front of us like a mirror. And he shows us that we also play favorites with some people while treating other people like trash. And, uh, <clears throat> and this is the philosophy that James is forbidding here in this passage. Look in verse 1. He says, my brothers, show no partiality. This word partiality, it's, it's not a word that most of us probably use very often, but it's simply another way of saying don't play favorites. And James, in the next two verses, gives us an example of what partialism, of what playing favorites might look like. Look, in verse, look at verse 2. If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet. He, he's painting a very clear picture of what's happening in this situation. Basically, two different people who look very different from one another on the outside have arrived among a group of Christians. 
And these Christians respond in two very different ways to these men. They play favorites with the rich man, and they treat the poor man like trash. And this illustrates the definition of, of partiality, of, of playing favorites. It's when we judge people based on how they look on the outside and we play favorites with some while failing to practice love for other people because of these differences. And this was a, an unjust but common reality in the first century Roman Empire. It was a sin that these first century Christians were wrestling with. And it's a sin that we as Christians today continue to wrestle with. And because of that, I imagine some of us may be feeling convicted already because we realize that James has described our own thoughts or our own actions in the past. But some may be thinking, well, fortunately, this, this doesn't describe me because I don't treat, mistreat people based on how they are dressed. In fact, I, I donate clothes and even buy clothes so that they might be honored and, and be able to dress well. And I would certainly never ask anyone to sit on the floor on Sunday morning. In fact, I would be the very first person to stand up and, and offer them my seat. And, and friends, those are, are good and noble thoughts and actions that bring honor to our God. But we would be mistaken if we thought that this was the only way that we play favorites with people. There are many different factors besides jewelry and clothing that we use to judge people based on how they look on the outside. And there are many different tactics besides where we tell someone to stand or sit that we use to play favorites based on these judgments. And playing favorites can happen any day of the week, whether it's on Sunday morning or Thursday afternoon. Uh, one of my friends that I have in St. Louis ran into this kind of situation one week. You see, he, um, he ran a business that hired refugee and immigrant workers and they employed them, part of their employment was to clean office spaces uh, for businesses in the city of St. Louis. And one day my friend gets a call from the manager of one of these companies. It turned out that uh, an item of some value had gone missing in the, in the space that my friend's employees were hired to clean. And he told them, we would like to schedule your employees to come in for a lie detector test so that we can root out the thief. My friend was, was happy to comply and to cooperate with their efforts, but he did want to know, he asked them, so when are your employees who also work in this space, when are they going to be scheduled to take the lie detector test? And the, the manager on the phone seemed surprised. He said, well, we're not going to ask them to do that. And my friend in the moment realized what was going on. He realized that basically what was happening was that he the plan was to take these refugee and immigrant workers, people with low social and financial standing in this country, and to mistreat them because of how they looked on the outside. He was facing a situation just like what James is describing in this passage. And he was going to have to decide whether to play favorites with those who held financial and social power or practice love for all people regardless of how they looked. And we face situations like this too. I mean, you think about the scenario I just described or the one that James gives us in verses two through three, but there are others. For example, when you're having a conversation with someone, do you play favorites with people who are pleasant or interesting by listening carefully to what they are saying? 
but while failing to practice love for people who seem annoying or boring to you by allowing your thoughts to wander and not listening carefully to what they are saying. There's a lot of examples we could come up of, that we could come up with of, whatever, of what playing favorites looks like, but whatever it looks like for you, God's attitude towards it is the same. Look in verse 1. He says, Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. He's saying that there is no place for playing favorites among Christians who profess faith in Jesus Christ. This is not who King Jesus calls us to be as his people. And James is extremely blunt in the verdict that he passes on this practice. Look in verse 4. He says, when you, when you play favorites, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? To put it simply, playing favorites is sinful. And so we are called to turn away from playing favorites with some people and to practice love for all people. And James teaches us to do this by helping us to recognize reality. He's going to help us recognize the reality in three ways. And the first way is recognizing the foolishness of playing favorites. And we need help recognizing this, right? Because playing favorites with the rich and the powerful or those of influence might not seem foolish to us at first. In fact, playing favorites might make a lot of sense, in our minds at least, because we're hoping that by playing favorites with some people, we might, we might receive favors from them in return. But look at what James says can happen when we play this game. Look in verse 6. Are not the, the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? Listen, what James is saying is you can play favorites with the rich if you want to, but they can turn right around and play foul with you. Playing favorites with the rich is not a game that you want to put your hope in. Now, I, I want to pause for a moment and make something very, very clear. J in this passage, James is not condemning wealthy and powerful people. In fact, there are many places in Scripture where we see God blessing his people with wealth and power. Abraham and Job were men that God blessed with great wealth. King David was a man that God blessed with great power. And so... Wealth and condemnation, uh, excuse me, wealth and power in themselves are not being condemned. And even when wealthy people or powerful people misuse their resources, Christians are still called to love them. We see this in the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, where we meet a tax collector named Zacchaeus. He was a rich man who had dishonored God by mistreating people. And yet Jesus showed deep compassion for Zacchaeus. He goes into his home, and he saves him from his sins. He loves him. And we're called to do the same thing for all people. And so we need to hold these truths all together and see that while we are called to show honor and love to all people, including the rich, at the same time, playing favorites with the rich is foolish because it is a very poor place to put your hope. I, I began telling you a story about my, man, about my friend in St. Louis who employs immigrants and refugees. And after he understood the lie detector plan, 
my friend, he recognized very clearly that his, his workers were going to be mistreated in this situation. And he protested. He said, this is not right. Um, I do not want them to have to take this test unless all of the other employees are treated fairly and treated the same and that all of your workers have to take the test as well, is what he told them. And the company manager replied that if my friend refused to have his workers take this test in an unfair manner, that my friend might lose his cleaning contract with that company. Once again, he was in a situation very similar to what James is describing here. And he was going to have to, he could have been easily tempted to play favorites with the hope that he would receive the benefit of continuing to do business with this company. And James shows us that playing favorites for those reasons would have been foolish. And we all have or all will find ourselves in a situation like this at some point. And so we need to ask, in what ways are you tempted to play favorites because you hope to receive some benefit? How is this misplaced hope revealed in your life by the specific ways, the specific tactics that we use to play favorites? And friends, as you, as you reflect on this, let me remind you of, of the hope that we have in the gospel. Because King Jesus, as he has offered us, as he has offered to us in the gospel, he chose us that when we belong to him, when we profess the name of Jesus, that we are children of God. And he tells us that our God is the creator and king of the universe. In Psalm 50, it says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our God is immensely powerful. He's immensely wealthy. And Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, he tells us that our Father, with all these wealth and all these riches, knows you, and he cares about you, and he loves you. And you can put your hope in him because he is going to take perfect care of you. And what that means, brothers and sisters, is that we are free to turn away from playing favorites with some people, and we are free to then turn and practice love for all people because who our hope is in, and that is in King Jesus, who unites us to the God and creator of the universe. And that is a hope worth putting your life in. It sets us free. He loves us and he cares for us. And as we are free to practice love because of our hope in God, we are also called to recognize and to imitate the character and attitude of God. And this includes recognizing that God does not play favorites. In the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 10, when Moses was giving the law to Israel at Mount Sinai, he proclaims this, that God is a God who does not play favorites. And James proclaims the same truth here in this passage. Look in verse 5. He says, Has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love them? Friends, he's saying that our God takes vulnerable, needy people who have little or no value in the eyes of the world. He adopts them as his children, and he showers them with the spiritual riches of faith and the blessed promise of his kingdom. 